right, here we go on a Sunday morning in Las Vegas. I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here live in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio every Sunday at 8 on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. And sister station of Raiders Nation Radio, the we also include social media director Spencer The Wiz Ostrovsky. Along with producer Chris Magnum Chapman, who aside from producing and being part of a lot of shows at Lotus Broadcasting, Mags also serves as a locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network and the host of the UNLV pre-game show on our other sister station, ESPN Radio Las Vegas. We are also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and YouTube. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Out of Line Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap, brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp, whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own. Residential Bank Corp is the company to turn to for all of your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp, funding America one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 to get information on all of the home financing options currently available in Nevada. On Tap! Uh, yeah, I feel good. I mean, the guys here are doing an unbelievable job in front of me. And uh, you know what? It's fun hockey. Yeah, of course, that's Aiden Hill, and everyone's doing a good job in front of him. He's doing a hell of a job in the net, too, with his first three starts in the postseason. Joining us to talk about the Vegas Golden Knights' potential run for a Stanley Cup is rinkside reporter Ashley Weiss. She'll be with joining us shortly for the nightcap segment. Also talking NBA Finals. Wow, Lakers down Three games to none to the Denver Nuggets trying to get themselves to their very first ever Good. NBA Finals. A lot of people feel that way. Um, and also, of course, the Miami Heat. There is a prime time in the NBA, and you guys can probably think of four or five players you could stick in there. There's only one when it comes to the postseason, in my mind, and that is Jimmy Butler. This guy can take an eight seed and turn him into a one seed overnight. He's that good. We'll talk about that with Spencer the Wiz Ostrowski when we talk about the NBA and also Raiders a little over a week ago there. 2023 regular season schedule is in place now. We don't just know the opponents. We know when they'll be playing the opponents. Spencer will also break that down during fact this. And, of course, our uh, silver and black lining, uh, we'll talk about that as well. And uh, a lot of things, Las Vegas Aces, world champion Las Vegas Aces, I should say, got underway yesterday. A big, big win in Seattle. The Las Vegas Aviators out of town for another week. Big fight in Las Vegas last night. And... More death at soccer games. We'll talk about all that. That is what's on tap if you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own. Contact Residential Bank Corp., the company that is funding America one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 for details on current home financing options 
in Nevada. And guys, first of all, I want to say, man, there's so many things to talk about. I'm looking like I didn't even mention in the What's on Tap the PGA Championship because I just don't have a lot of time to talk about it. But by default, Brooks Kepka is the leader going into today. I know they've already started the uh, final round, but six under par. And looking at the rough, if you've been watching the U.S. Open, man, um, it reminds me, or I should say the PGA Championship reminds me of the U.S. Open. The rough is vicious. The weather has been vicious. I haven't seen it today. I know it's on right now. Mags has uh, soccer going on in the television up there, but I, I know that they're supposed to have sunny weather, and it should be a hell of a day at the PGA Championship. Really, really cool. There is this club, club pro, Michael Brock, I believe is his name. He is Yesterday, he was in the top 10 going into Sunday at even par. The guy's a club pro, man. It's really, really cool to see this happening. It's like the first time in years and years and years an actual club pro has made it this far in a major tournament. So talk about, uh, I guess, his lessons will probably be going up at the club that he uh, he's golfing at, or I should say he teaches at. Man, that's pretty cool. But listen, let's get right to it. The Golden Knights really stealing the headlines, and uh, they are now in their third, is it their third? their fourth Western Conference Finals. Well, well, oh, oh sorry. Wrong, wrong. <laughs> there you go. There we go. Uh, technically, it's their third because the one year, th- this is their fourth semifinal. Right. So they've made the final four four times, but the, the one year was, was it, it, it wasn't the bubble year. It was the year <laughs> after where... They did the divisions to reduce the travel, right, and, and right. the Golden Knights are in a division. They with, like, made the, the final Minnesota four Wild that and, year again, yeah, but, they but it lost wasn't to Montreal. Yeah, it wasn't technically like a typical it, conference yeah, final. It technically didn't count as a Western Conference. I wish final. it didn't count at all because uh, Fleury's biggest gaffe of his career came in that uh, that semifinals, we should say. But uh, we'll talk more about that. Spence, go ahead and hit it. Nightcap. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Oh, Spencer's going to play that Bruce Cassidy tape. Maybe not. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, the Vegas Golden Knights uh, Western Conference final. Oh, here we go. You got to go around, Spencer? There's both sides of it. So we'll enjoy the fact that we won and we, we do keep responding. Um, and we'll just keep working on you know, some of the situations that come up for us when we, if, we, you know, if we're not able to close out. And he's basically talking about the fact that, you know, it's big that they can respond. They've got a lead going into the final two minutes of the game, a one-goal lead against Dallas, a team that kind of had their number during the regular season, beat them three times, and they blow that lead at the very end, which was tough. It was a, it was a tough lead to be blown. I mean, you, you got to win those games, and that's what Bruce Cassidy's saying. It's great that they responded. The problem is is that if you count on that, you're going to lose. You, you can't count on winning in overtime, even if you're at home, especially in the NHL the Carolina Hurricanes, who are down two games to nothing to the Florida Panthers, which we will talk about in a little bit. But again, um, you know, Vegas Golden Knights had the game. Uh, Teddy Bluger scores a big goal, you know, about halfway through the third period. Vegas Golden Knights are hanging on, hanging on. And then Dallas Stars captain, who is a Vegas Golden Knights killer, Jamie Benn, ties the game with just under two minutes to go. And then, of course, you saw the overtime. It didn't last very long, thank God, after the night before. And you saw almost four full overtimes in game 
game one of the Florida Panthers and the Carolina Hurricanes. This one ended inside of two minutes. Brett Howden jams it in from behind the net. Huge goal for the Vegas Golden Knights and a huge first game win against a team that has had their number this year. Um, I think that kind of win can be a bit demoralizing when you come back, Chris, in a game like that and uh, you, you tie the game up with two minutes to go. The momentum has swung your way. I know you're still on the road, but you're feeling pretty confident going into overtime when with two minutes to go in the game, you were looking at, you were staring a loss in the face, and then the overtime doesn't even really get underway, and a huge goal by a guy that has really turned out to be a gritty golden knight this year, and a guy that has earned his spot on the postseason roster after earning a spot on the regular season roster all year, Brett Howden, Chris. Great goal by him, and a big win for the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, but Pump, we'll pump the brakes a little bit because the Stars have been here before. They've lost yeah, everyone. Uh, game game one in their previous two series. The Minnesota one, it was the uh, Joe Pavelski. I, he scored four goals in, in the game and lost. Um, and so, I don't know, that maybe that was the second round series. I, I, I don't remember. But um, they, they, they did have a, a, a game where Joe Pavelski scored four goals in one game. They went up going to overtime and end up losing that game. I remember game one. Um so they they they've been here before. I think it's it's nothing oh it was against Seattle. I'm, yeah, I got that right now. So game one in the last series they ended up losing in overtime to 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 Seattle. But look the Golden Knights played really well. And I think the Dallas Stars played really well. And I think when you when you look at things from a from from a just a strictly on paper perspective, I think the Golden Knights are a better team. Oh, I think so too, Chris. But it's not about who's a better team. It's, it's about it, who 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 is able to impose their will no on the doubt. other team and. Look it, and you, experience, and 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 you know both teams have guys with a great deal of experience. Well, Joe Pavelski. I am amazed when I look at the Dallas Stars roster how many guys that they have who are on the wrong side of of thirty. I mean, obviously Joe Pavelski, Tyler Sagan, Jordy Ben, uh, Ryan Suter is another guy. I think he's in his mid to late thirties. So they've got a lot of guys who who are, do. and and I wonder at what point does that catch up. Well, it could. You know, the thing is, is one of the guys that is on the the right side of 30 is Jake Ottinger, their goalie, a young guy who at times looks like he is going to be an all-star goaltender, and then at other times he looks like a sieve. And I I think that's just a lack of experience, and Jake Ottinger will get better and better as as he goes on. I mean, he's got a lot of postseason experience now, and the guy really can uh, play the game. But again, you know, that is something that... Uh, both these teams have question marks that is the goaltender. And when Ashley Weiss joins the show, which she will be in about a minute from right now, I want to talk to her about the goaltending because it is a unique situation that the Vegas Golden Knights are in to have such an incredibly gifted, talented, and veteran team in most areas. I mean, you are talking about guys that just stand out in the postseason. And it should say stand out in general. You know, uh, Jack Eichel, one of the best players in the NHL, of course, drafted second behind Connor McDavid. Uh, guys like Mark Stone, who is probably one of the most inspirational guys you're going to see in the National Hockey League. When he scores, he fires up the uh, he fires up his team and he fires up the crowd. The guy gets everything going. And a guy like William Carlson, you know, at times people are like God. William Carlson's been quiet. You need to pay attention to what he does at both ends of the ice. One of the best two way players, in my opinion, in the National Hockey League. That he is a blue collar guy that gets the job done when you need him to. And so many times this guy will be on the back check or the four check and and you'll just see William Carlson take the 
puck off the stick. But I don't want to waste any more time. Joined right now by ringside reporter Ashley Weiss. You see her on every Vegas Golden Knights broadcast. Does a phenomenal job. Ashley, how exciting is this run for the Vegas Golden Knights from your perspective? Oh, man, it's been, it's been really exciting. It's been really, really uh, cool to see everything come together, not just on the ice, but, but in the locker room as well. This is a team that has a lot of fun. It's a team that really plays for each other. Uh, it's a team that's really not shaken uh, by any losses or any failures, if you even want to call a loss a failure. Um, their ability to bounce back, uh, you know, their ability to uh, take things over, um, take games over, um, you know, last series uh, in general, they, they were the underdog for whatever reason. And, you know, they, they come out of that series the way that they do. And then here they are uh, kicking this series off in the right way. It's been really fun to watch. Uh, and you just hope they keep it going here in Game 2. Yeah, you know, that Dallas uh, has a history in the postseason. It's like deja vu again every season. Yeah. The first two series, they lost Game 1. They did it again now. A team used to going to overtime, and 21 overtimes now in the postseason. It's been absolutely incredible. Vegas Golden Knights on the right side of their overtimes for the most part to this point, and they hope that keeps going. And actually, they hope it doesn't keep going. As Bruce Cassidy said in the postgame press conference, it would be nice uh, to not have have to uh, show our, you know, our grit and have to come yeah. back from giving up a late goal. But actually, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, you know, the goaltending. You know, when you yeah. talk about professional sports, one of the biggest things in all professional sports is plug and play. You have to be able to plug someone else in because injuries, losing guys is just a part of the game in every game. Hockey, one of the most, uh, you know, prevalent for that being it is kind of a violent sport. So you lose this year, but the one position I should say that you don't really count on plug-and-play in is the goaltender position. You usually yeah. have your profound starter, and you've got a, a capable or an ample backup. The Vegas Golden Knights, five goalies used to get them to the postseason and the number one seed in the Western Conference, and here we are in the postseason. We've already used two of those goalies, and one of them now has stepped up and played, but it's funny. The first one, Laurent Brossois, who got the nod initially before he got hurt, a guy that didn't even st- see the net until the very towards the end of the season, yeah. uh, down in Henderson, recovering from the hip surgery. He comes back, plays great, goes down again, and then you plug in Aiden Hill, who started the season as the backup to Logan Thompson, a backup in San Jose a year ago, and Aiden Hill now 3-0 and in his three starts. Um, that has to be one of the biggest surprises because goaltending is so vitally important in the postseason in the NHL. Maybe the post, the most important position of any position in all of professional sports is goaltender in the postseason. And yet the Vegas Golden Knights are living by plug and play. And right now it's Aiden Hill. It's crazy, isn't it? You rewind back to September in training camp, and people were saying that's the biggest question mark is the goaltending. And what's funny now is, I guess you could still say it's a question mark, but it's just a matter of who it's going to be, not if they're going to play well, because everyone has come in and stepped up, whether it was, you know, Logan Thompson early, um, you know, making an all-star appearance uh, in, his, in his first season as a rookie, um, whether, you know, Aiden Hill coming in the way he is now, Lauren Brassois, what he did, uh, you know, Jonathan Quick, they, they got him his insurance, um, but, you know, he stepped up and, and won a few games for the Golden Knights down the stretch as well. And then, you know, Yuri Patera getting, getting some of his first opportunities as well. Um, I think that internal competition throughout the season, um, really, I, I think we're seeing the, the benefits of that now. You talk about how that internal competition can make everyone better. Well, all of those goalies were having to, to fight all season long. None of them had ever had the job of a, of a true NHL starter and really being the guy for a team. 
they all wanted that opportunity. I think it created uh, a situation where they all worked harder. They all wanted to prove themselves. Uh, they also were all there to support each other. Uh, I think it's a huge nod to management um, to, you know, to know that those are the guys that could get it done, <laughs> knowing that, you know, that, that maybe there was more talent there than, than other teams had recognized. And uh, it's a credit to Bruce Cassidy's team for the defensive system that they play as well. It is said to be a goalie system, uh, goalie friendly system. And then Sean Burke, the goaltending coach too, he has a track record of, um, you know, uh, being there for, for a lot of really big names during some of the best seasons uh, of their career. So, yeah, it's certainly been uh, interesting. It's been really fun to watch. It's, you know, it's hard not to be really happy for any of these guys uh, who come in. And now you just hope that, you know, the health remains uh, with, with the guys that are there and they can keep putting up these kind of performances. But, yeah, it's funny because that was the question mark, and I think all of those questions have been answered up to this point. Well, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, Logan Thompson playing so well before he got hurt, making the Vegas Golden Knights one of the best teams in the NHL in in, in a large part to his play. And then when Aiden Hill came in, he performed you know admirably and uh, and and beyond pedestrian, actually good. But in the yeah. postseason, I say that last pickup, Jonathan Quick. It's funny, an afterthought. You know, he gets shipped off to Columbus after a storied career. A, a Hall of Fame career. No one will ever forget in 2012 the LA Kings making the playoffs on the last game of the regular season and then on the back of Jonathan Quick make a run to the Stanley Cup really bringing prominence to the NHL in the Western United yeah. States. I mean, it was huge. And now Jonathan Quick a backup and it paid dividends to me almost immediately because when they got Jonathan Quick that night Aiden Hill played his best regular season game of his career and do you want to say it's just a mere case of irony that they get Jonathan Quick and all of a sudden Aiden Hill stands on his head might be an understatement what he did in that first game when they got Jonathan Quick. All of these people and, and all that being said, the one guy that's kind of been left out of the mix for so long is the guy I started the conversation with and that's Logan Thompson who is a healthy scratch right now and the number three guy. What are the chances that Jonathan Quick, say Aiden Hill stays healthy, what are the chances that Jonathan Quick or Logan Thompson see in the net? That's uh, a good question. Um, you know, you never know what a game might bring. So whether it's injury or whether it's, uh, you know, just I don't, the team doesn't expect to have all perfect performances uh, for, you know, the rest of the, the seven wins that they hope to have that it would take uh, to lift a Stanley Cup at this point. Um, so let's say, you know, Aiden Hill were to get pulled for a game. It wouldn't necessarily be solely because of his performance. It could be um, because Bruce Cassidy needs to shake things up. Who knows? So it's kind of hard to say, I guess, what the odds are. But, you know, Aiden Hill is looking really, really solid. So uh, I don't think there's uh, any reason to, I guess, you know, speculate or guess when that might be. Um, you know, Logan, uh, you hope he just keeps progressing, um, you know, in terms of in terms of his health and uh, keeps getting better, and you know he's he's he has been around. He's been around the locker room. He's been around the games. Obviously, Bersois has been around the games as well. Uh, you can see him in some of those uh, post game win videos that the team posts. But yeah, it's hard to say. But you know, as you talk about Jonathan Quick, you also can't underestimate um, the impact he's had just being around, talking to these younger goaltenders who haven't had that starting job before. So uh, you know, even though he he hasn't come in and necessarily had the opportunity. Uh, that maybe that maybe he would want. He's been an absolute pro, and 
I think a lot of these younger goaltenders have learned a lot from him already. I agree 100% and talk about a season paying dividends for goaltenders. Laurent yeah. Brossois, a 30-year-old journeyman, a guy that now is going to command a look by the NHL like, wow, we got to take a look at this guy, provided he gets healthy again and, you know, the hip stays fine. And then, of course, Aiden Hill. Talk about stock going up on a guy that was a backup goaltender and came here to be a backup goaltender. And now, again, another guy that is going to be looked at by a lot of teams as somebody that can maybe be a full-time goaltender in the net and yet not at the beginning of his career career by any means. Another guy, person, Ashley, that that has stepped up, and he has stepped up throughout his entire career, has played, I believe, all 78 postseason games the Vegas Golden Knights in. And matter of fact, the entire misfit line has played in every postseason game the Golden Knights have had to this point in their tenure. And that, of course, is Jonathan Marcheseau, Riley Smith, and William Carlson. But William Carlson in particular, Ashley, has a baby a week ago, late in the morning, a week ago Friday, all kinds of emotions. And this guy has done nothing but play better and better and better. One of, in my opinion, the better two-way players that's not recognized for that in the National Hockey League. A great defensive forward, but also a guy that'll give you a timely goal and probably the epitome of the ultimate teammate. Yes, without a doubt. Uh, Riley Smith even said he feels like he's playing with the most confidence he's played with all season. Uh, and he should be confident. He's playing um, really, really good hockey. And you kind of, you know talked about how he's a bit underrated around the league. That's something that Bruce Cassidy has learned very quickly here. He's compared him to Patrice Bergeron uh, on multiple occasions, and it's something that you don't... It's great to see it paying off for him on the score sheet right now, but even when it's not, like, that's what Bruce Cassidy really loves about him is that he's consistent, whether it's, you know, whether, whether it's goals or assists, if those things aren't coming, he's still consistent in the way he plays, and something I like that Bruce Cassidy pointed out yesterday was even... Um, on his goals in game one, he was still in a position where if, if he wouldn't have scored, he was in a position where he could put out a fire if things went back the other way. So definitely think it's something uh, that, that his teammates know, especially the guys that you mentioned, Riley Smith and Jonathan Marsh. So, um, you know, they'll, they'll be the first to tell you that he makes life really easy on his wingers um, at, any, at any given time. But, yeah, certainly underrated. Um, and you talked about the, the fact that he, uh, you know, just – had his first child, uh, his wife Emily just had her first child uh, about a week ago. That whole dad strength thing is something that we've seen throughout the playoffs. We saw Brett Howden, um, his wife had a, had a baby uh, back during the Winnipeg series or just before the Winnipeg series, and then he went on and had a phenomenal series. Now you're seeing it with William Carlson. Uh, you know, Mark Stone had a baby back in the spring as well. So um, it's, been, uh, it's been really fun to watch uh, each of those guys who have just become new dads kind of, A, all bond together, but B, just kind of explode. It's a time where you assume that they're not getting much sleep. Maybe it's a little bit stressful at times, but it seems like they're all coming out of the gate flying after that happens. It's been fun to watch. It was funny. Last week after the, the game back from William Carlson, I think it was after game five of the, of the Edmonton series, um, Bruce Cassidy kind of said, you know what? I'm going to send, start sending out reminder texts around uh, May or June to all yeah. the guys <laughs> that uh, maybe having babies is the the answer to this thing, but uh, you know, no re- really cool, and you know, great to see all these guys, young father. There's such good guys too. If you're around the Vegas Golden Knights, it's so nice to see a team like this. When I've always said of all the sports I've covered, uh, maybe it's because most of them aren't American. I don't know, but the National Hockey League seems to have the nicest and most approachable players of any professional sport that I've been to. Ashley, another thing, you know, you talked about the moves that uh, were made, or we talked about them that were made by uh, McCrimmon at at, at 
you know, at the death trading deadline. And I mean, you know, between Teddy Bluger, uh, Barbashev, and of course, uh, Jonathan Quick, just three tremendous moves, paying tremendous dividends. Uh, Bruce Cassidy, you know, I guess a little bit unenchanted in the last couple of games of the Edmonton series that Michael Amadio played. He brings in Teddy Bluger to replace him. Um, I was a little surprised just because I thought Amadio had played so well, especially in the first series against Winnipeg. But Teddy Bluger pays dividends last night. Huge goal. Cleans up what uh, what what um, Keegan Colasar started. Gets the go-ahead goal in the third period. And that was just monstrous. Yeah, and I do think with the Michael Amadio thing, I think it was less about um, Bruce Cassidy not being happy with what Michael Amadio had done in the Edmonton series, and it was more just kind of needing another look for the matchups um, in those games because Teddy Bluger, uh, he's a defensive forward. That's, that's his role, and it was great to see uh, him things say off for him offensively as well last game, of course. Um, but that's kind of that's how Teddy Bluger kind of, kind of made his way into the lineup, and you know they needed someone um, good on the face-off dot. Uh, they needed someone who would be good in the defensive zone against Edmonton, and Bruce Cassidy felt like after you know after doing that, he earned the right to stay in the lineup. So that depth uh, is certainly key to know that you know even when Alex Petrangelo missed the game last series, Ben Hutton was able to jump in. But Teddy Bluger certainly um, someone you don't underestimate his ability when he jumps in the lineup um, to do you know what he needs to do. He has a lot of playoff experience. Uh, he's a very responsible player. Um, and I think it's important that that line got going because it was a huge, their ability to contribute offensively was a huge piece to the team's regular season success. We hadn't seen it as much in the playoffs so far um, up until last game. So you hope that continues and you hope they can just keep you know, rolling those four lines and getting those contributions up and down the lineup. Yeah, no doubt about it. Bruce Cassidy showed his confidence in Bluger by moving Nicholas Watt up to the third line and letting Bluger center the fourth line in between Carrier and uh, Kolasar. And it's worked out really well because, as you said, on the dot, uh, Bluger is a, a really good guy to win draws. And that's something that is so key and probably not talked about enough is winning draws, especially in the offensive zone. Um, finally, uh, you know, a couple of guys... Uh, Ashley, that um, you know, that have kind of been left out. Uh, Kessel breaks a long time streak. I know the regular season streak is still intact, but he had a an overall streak going with the playoffs. And Bruce Cassidy, hey, you know, you got to win hockey games. I was a little bit surprised the game he took him out of because I thought he could have let him stay in that game. Uh, but he, we haven't seen him since. And of course, Paul Cotter, such a good year for the Vegas Golden Knights, filling in so ad- ad- admirably uh, for players that were injured and really for a while earned his spot, getting the play every day we haven't seen him yet in the in the postseason and of course guys like Ben Hutton you know whenever somebody goes down on defense he's the first man up there but do we see Kessel or Cotter in the postseason do you think uh, it's a good question the only reason I want to say you hope not is because you hope that everyone stays healthy and things just keep rolling right uh, but you know that that doesn't always happen again they don't expect to just win the next seven games in a row and have perfect performances and stay completely healthy uh, on their quest to hopefully raise the cup. So uh, it's really hard to say. I think it completely depends on what happens. And then I think it depends on, you know, what the issues are if and when something happens. You know, like, is it is it a defensive issue? Um, in that case, you know, may, maybe not. Uh, if it's something where you need a spark of offense, then maybe one of those guys makes sense. A little bit more difficult for Paul Cotter, just yeah, as someone who isn't as experienced uh, and hasn't played uh, hockey for quite some time. It'd be, um, you know, to, to throw him right into this late in the postseason as, as things are so ramped up. But having said that, 
Uh, he was good all regular season when he was just thrown in um, after after being scratched or after being hurt for a few games. He would usually come in with a bang, to say the least. So uh, he definitely has ability to, to create a spark. And then Phil Kessel, not only uh, is he able to score goals, but he can be big on the power play and just, you know, his experience. That's something that's hard to um, replace or replicate or uh, whatever that may be, just his experience. Uh, you, you mentioned the Ironman streak, but you also, you know, think about the fact that uh, he's raised a couple cups himself. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to say. You hope that Bruce Cassidy doesn't have to make any changes, um, but if and when the time comes, I, Bruce Cassidy certainly has a really good pulse on the team. Uh, I know all of the decisions that you mentioned uh, were, were very hard for him to make. Oh, um, but it's, I guess it's, it's a good problem to have. So uh, champagne problems, I guess, when you have too many really, really good players to choose from. Yeah, and they've got an awful lot. The plug-and-play thing, like I said, even works at goaltending for the Vegas Golden Knights, which you think that it wouldn't. And I, I lied. Final question again. We're talking to Ashley yeah. Weiss, rinkside reporter for Vegas Golden Knights. You see her all the place does a tremendous job. Ashley, what is it going to take for this team, in your opinion, to not let history repeat itself as far as the Dallas Stars go? Because, again, as we talked about, they have lost game one of the two previous series and come back to win both of those series in seven games. What is it going to take to not th- for that not to happen this time? You know, I think it would be super helpful to, ha- to have a really good start because any changes Dallas wants to make, any way that they want to respond, they're going to want to do that right off the hop, right? So, you know, I, I think be- Vegas being hard on their own forecheck uh, will make it difficult for Dallas to be to be hard on theirs. So I really think that that's that's the key. Be strong on the forecheck right off the hop, uh, and just be smart because uh, if you don't manage the puck well through the neutral zone, uh, they're a deep offensive team as well, a lot deeper than people gave them credit for in the regular season. Uh, so you don't want to don't want to give them any of those easy opportunities. So um, show up ready to go. It's a noon game. A lot of guys really like these uh, early games where they just you know wake up and go to the rink, and there's not a lot of time to think about it, not a lot of hoopla um, leading up to the game. So uh, yeah, I guess that's that's what I'll go with: a strong start and uh, strong on the forecheck right off the hop. I agree 100. percent And of course, defense wins championships. And that last oh, of line course. of defense of with course. that last line of defense with their goaltender is going to be huge. Aiden Hill keeps playing great, but it is nice to know that there are two guys healthy behind him that could take the net and probably do a pretty good job for the Knights as well. Once again, she is Ashley Vikes, ringside reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights. Really appreciate you taking the time out of Game Two of the Western Conference Finals today at noon. We'll see you at the at the rink and uh, go Knights, go! Can't wait. Thanks for the time. Absolutely. Once again, that was Ashley Weiss. And Chris, uh, you know, she does such a great job with with the broadcast and stuff like that. Great having her on the show. Can't leave this segment, though, without talking about the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, it's so wild. You look at the the NBA, and you're going to potentially have a number one seed playing a number eight seed, and you could very well have that in the NHL Stanley Cup Finals as well, because Florida now up two games to love, going back to Carolina is not, or excuse me going to Florida is not going to be an easy task for them and all I've got to say when I talk about that series is what about Bob well you know the funny thing is you, you you've got a potential you mentioned for for two number eight seeds to be playing a number one seed in both the NBA and the NHL how about the fact that those eight seeds in the east are separated by I don't know how many miles there are between Sunrise Florida and downtown Miami where the heat play but Something in the water. You know, Florida Atlantic made a run to the uh, Final Four. Probably should have beaten San Diego State. 
Um, and and maybe they would have been in the 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 finals. They probably would have gotten demolished. Hurricane anger. Yeah, yeah, they would have gotten demolished. Well, yeah, Miami made a Final Four as well. So uh, something going on in the water down there in in, in South Florida. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I I was just in Orlando last week, and there was no buzz. But then again, they have a they have a a semi pro team in Orlando. So. <laughs> Um, I guess maybe that's why maybe all the buzz was was out of the air because their semi pro team, uh, God, the Magic—they've sucked forever, haven't they? Well, we'll talk about the NBA, <laughs> but Chris, I got I got to tell you though, watching this Eastern Conference Finals again, the two things that that have really stood out to me in this series is, of course, the the play of Bobrovsky. Yeah, been he's been absolutely phenomenal. unbelievable. You Since always being inserted into the lineup see... for, for Alex Lyon. He he has been. He's making a Jonathan Quick type of run right now out of the eight hole. What he's doing in Florida, he is just stopping everything. Do you know, Chris? In right now, so far in this series, there's been two games. Out of 104 shots, he's made 100 saves in two games. That's 50 saves on average per game. Now, granted, one of them went to four overtimes. It was like two games in a yeah, period. Yeah. But still, that is unbelievable what this guy doing. And the other guy, Chris, how about Matthew Tuchuk? You want to talk about a gamer. That is what this guy is, a gamer. Both overtime goals scored, one in the fourth overtime, one again last night. This guy is a guy that is so dangerous right now and maybe a guy that people aren't talking enough about in the National Hockey League because he's one of the best players in the league. Well, yeah, I I, I think there he's making a case for Con Smythe is, is what he's doing. Uh, two overtime winners so far in this series, three in the playoffs, which uh, it, which ties an NHL record for most overtime winning goals in a in a single playoffs. So look, he's still got potentially, you know, maybe maybe six more opportunities if they win the cup. He's got six more opportunities to score another overtime winner. So. Uh, you know, I mean, he's he's making a run for Con Smythe, and he was a guy I always liked in in Calgary because he he was he was a bit of a you know what, and he he's got a lot of bark and a lot of bite in his game. Um, you know, he's he's a damn good player. I mean, he's 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 he's. I mean, his dad was a phenomenal player he as was. well. Yeah, Keith was but, a great player. You know, I too. remember watching him when I had when I would go to Coyote games way back when the Coyotes actually had had a had a had an arena to play in. But um, you know, it, Florida they they're really starting to look like a team of destiny. It almost seems like everything is going their way, but they're also finding ways to win. Like. Sasha Barkov is a guy who I think is one of the most underrated. Yeah. If you could believe it, right? The guy's won Selkie Awards. Huge goal but, yesterday. But, but maybe the most underrated player in the league because of the fact that he doesn't play in a massive market, a market where almost like the Panthers are an afterthought. But Brian, this was a team that won the President's Trophy last year. You know, they, they were the best team in, in the regular season I was just, just a year say, ago. So people forget that, that they but, were the best team in you know, hockey what, last what, year. What people also lose track of is the fact that they traded Jonathan Huberdeau and they were able to get Matthew Kachuk in that trade. Um, so they, they traded a couple of really good players and Mackenzie Weakers being another. And, you know, it, it's like they're, they're just being, they're, there's just something about them. They found their mojo. They started playing well towards the end of the season, got into the playoffs, um, you know, they, they, they may have been able to jump up to that seven seed at one point, but some, they, they just are striking me as a team that, that has what it takes right now to win the Stanley cup. Look, the, the, the hurricanes blew through 
my New Jersey Devils like a hot knife through butter. Yep. Like it wasn't even close. And I th- I said, oh, Carolina should be able to do the job. Well, they're down two games to none, and they're going on the road. I think if they lose one of these two games, I think that series is over. Yeah, I would I would agree with you, and it's crazy. Like I said, the overtime playoffs, 21 games so far have gone to overtime. All three of the conference finals games going into today, both the games in the Eastern Conference Finals and, of course, Game 1 have gone to overtime. So it seems to be a theme. The Vegas Golden Knights have played well in overtime. No shootouts, of course. It goes till somebody scores a goal, as we saw on uh, Friday night with, um, or I should say on Thursday night with uh, the uh, Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers should be great today at noon. T-Mobile Arena, Game 2. Can't wait to see that one. Spence, I'm going to bring in, man. Time to talk some NBA hoops. And uh, I'll tell you what, you know, um, this has been exciting in the respect that you have two major underdogs that started playing really well in the postseason. L.A. made some great moves before the trading deadline. They, have, they the, the L.A. Lakers, I'm saying, they go from the 7th seed to the Western Conference Finals, but they have run into a juggernaut when you're talking about uh, uh, Nick Nikola uh, Jokic, the Joker, of course, and Jamal Murray, who is completely playing out of his mind right now. Jamal Murray, uh, you know, just so you know, th- in the third straight game, at least 30 points, five rebounds, five assists. Only three other players in NBA history have done that in three consecutive postseason games. Jamal Murray playing great. Denver uh, going to be a very tough out. They've never been to an NBA final, Spencer. I can't see the L.A. Lakers coming back and winning four straight. As a matter of fact, I see Denver's sweeping uh, tomorrow in L.A., and um, what do you think about that series? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. It's unbelievable. Uh, just, I didn't think that the Lakers really were going to win this series. I, I just think the Nuggets are kind of one of those teams of destiny, like something that you saw, you know, with the Milwaukee Bucks a couple years ago where it was just their time, and really, I think it's just been, everything has been perfect for them, because I think when you go back to the bubble, when the last time this conference final was just this team was so different the nuggets not just you know obviously Jokic got 10 times better i mean when you lose jamal murray and michael porter jr and you're still making the playoffs consistently your top three seed that just tells you how good Jokic is and then i think that it's just come down to health for this team after that you know he got Jokic got so much criticism without you know jamal and without michael porter jr but can't you say that about any team in the nba that if they lost their two best players after their best one the team's probably not going far so I think you're seeing, you know, Jamal come back to full health. And you're seeing Michael Porter Jr. obviously stay out of injury problems, you know, with his back and everything. It's been really cool to see. And, you know, most of the country doesn't want to see the Lakers win just because some people hate the Lakers. Some people don't like LeBron James. There's a whole lot of combination of things. And obviously the media is just so obsessed with the Lakers. It just gets annoying at some point to see every social media post. Even when the Lakers get lose and go down 0-3, there's no appreciation for the Nuggets. And, I think a lot of people around the country kind of have that small town mentality about this series and that they just want to see the small guy win just one time, you know, just to beat LeBron James, something like that. So I think that series is wrapped up. You're absolutely right. It's been, it's been close though. It's not like a blown out Oh three lead, maybe outside of game one. It's been pretty good so far. So it's entertaining kind of checks all the boxes for what people I think are looking for. Yeah, I would agree 100%. I think that uh, that people really, you know, were just kind of handing it to the Lakers, even though I think people in the know knew that Denver is going to be a real tough out, and really, to me, the odds-on favorite to win the NBA Finals right now, but I think we're seeing how good this team is, and you're right, the Joker, um, it's hard to say when you talk about the best players in the game. I know you want to talk about Giannis, uh, and there, there, there's, there's other guys, but you have to have him in that conversation, and when you look at 
at the other side in the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, there's another prime time. And there's so many guys you might think, well, who, who are you going to say? When it comes to the postseason, there is nobody, Spencer, that I have seen play basketball like Jimmy Butler. A guy that this is the second time now he has taken Miami from a lower seed to the Conference Finals, and he's on the brink of another NBA Finals. I just don't think that they're going to have enough gas to beat Denver, but it is amazing what Miami's done. And you talk about without players, somebody that's a key player for this Miami team, a guy that is counted on from the outside in numerous games, and you, you lose Tyler Hero before the game with a broken hand, before before the playoffs. You didn't think Miami is the A seed. Without him, even though you've got Jimmy Butler, who is just all-world, that's a complimentary player that you, you would think you would need when he's one of the guys that helped them make the playoffs this year, and now he's gone, and yet... Miami is so good. Not that Jimmy Butler's alone by any by any means. You've got other former NBA champions on this team as well. But Jimmy Butler, uh, Spencer, is truly something special. Yeah, and it's not really just the stat lines. I mean, it, it you know he gets the points, and those are obviously very important. Scoring points is like how you win basketball games. But I think so. So many people are attracted to the thirty point triple doubles, or you know the forty point like five steals. You know those random stats that people love to plot. The first player to get Two plus steals, blah, 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 blah. But it's the mentality of Jimmy Butler, right? Everyone talks about that after that, you know, that last game where Grant Williams got in his face talking trash. And then just like Dylan Brooks did with LeBron James, he poked the bear. And what happens? They're down at that point. And then suddenly Jimmy Butler's probably thinking, let's go to game three. And then it's just something that happens. You saw saw his his face. After, you know, Williams was in his face. You saw Jimmy. And I'm like, oh, no. You just knew right then, Spencer, it was a mistake. Yeah, there's just not many guys like Jimmy Butler left in the NBA. It's a it's a dying breed of player where competition is truly the most important thing to them. You know, for everyone else, it's the combination of like family and just all these other like things in their life, their brand. For Jimmy Butler, it's about being good at basketball. And it's really cool to see. You just don't get to see that very often. It's like a treat. But one thing I wanted to say about this series that I think is kind of going under the radar, and maybe not specifically this last game, but just in their run in general is Duncan Robinson. This is a guy who got overpaid. He was out of the rotation going into the playoffs. And then, like you mentioned, Tyler Hero goes down, and suddenly this guy's playing. He has no re- – I mean, he has every reason to play, right? It's a competition. But I'm saying there's so many things against him. A guy who hasn't played in a long time, he's just kind of collecting checks. The fan base probably hates him. And then he comes in and kind of comes back to his old form. Like, I think that more than anything, this run should be attributed to Eric Spolstra. I can't speak on historical coaches because I didn't watch Michael Jordan play and see all these other legendary coaches. But in my opinion, in my lifetime, what I've seen, it's, you know, Popovich and then Eric Spolstra. He could be above him at this point. I mean, seeing what Eric Spolstra does on a daily basis, try to get fired by LeBron James at some point in their run. He stays. He's the best. He brings these teams to the finals. I mean, if you look at their roster from top to bottom, it's good. But it's not something you think they've run through the East as an eighth seed with. This guy is unbelievable in what he does with his teams. Oh, I agree 100%. I've been saying for a long time, Eric Spolstra does not get the play that he should in the NBA. When they talk about the all-time greats, they talk about Phil Jackson, as you mentioned, Greg Popovich, and somehow Spolstra's name doesn't come come up there. And it blinds Casey Jones, uh, you know, uh, uh, 
Pat Riley, all these greats, and you don't hear Eric Spolstra. I think eventually, Spencer, that name has got to get in there. And all I'll say is, Jim Croce, man, uh, a shout-out to you because I'm wondering if in way pre-years ago he wrote the song Big Jim about Big Jim Butler because you don't tug on Superman's cape, you don't spit in the wind, you don't pull the mask off a no-lone ranger, and you don't mess around with Jim. Jimmy Butler, man, he is my man, and I'm telling you, although I will say this, L.A. has no chance of coming back and beating Denver three straight. Boston can come back and beat Miami. But the bottom line is Jason Tatum has got to find a way to score a basket in the fourth quarter. You know he has no field goals in the first two games. Not a single field goal in the fourth quarter. Jason Tatum, one of the best players in the NBA. That doesn't change. Miami's going home, and we're going to see Denver. Uh, excuse me, uh, Boston's going home. We're going to see Denver playing Miami in uh, the NBA Finals, what I think. Spence, go ahead and fact this. Facts this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. It's a fact. The 2023 NFL regular season schedule was released over a little over a week ago. This means the Las Vegas Raiders now know who they will be playing and when. And here to help is uh, break down their schedule is Raiders super fan co-host, social media director, once again, bringing back in Spencer the Wiz Ostrowski. Spence, you saw the Raiders' schedule. You know the moves they've made. They had a decent draft. What are we looking forward to in 2023? Yeah, so I'll give my quick thoughts, but if anybody listening wants to hear my full breakdown of every game on the schedule, I did an hour-long video. Uh, You can go on World of Matchups on YouTube. I broke down every single game, but as a quick thought here, the team did get better, Brian. And there's no doubt in my mind this is a better Raiders team than it was last year. But the reality is this team is also just going to win seven games again because the rest of the teams in their division are just that good. That was a problem going into last year. And they're just not ready yet. They need another class. This is the first year most of the roster from the terrible John Gruden era, I mean, just garbage, has been finally gotten off the roster. This is the first year where I think it's the full team of GM, you know, uh, Ziggler, and you have, you know, Josh McDaniels. This is the team that they wanted to form. This is the system they wanted to. But these systems aren't quick, and they don't take a long time. This is a Raiders team that's been bad for 20 years. You know, this these seven and nine win teams. And we'll get another one this year. There's no pressure on either of the two this year. It'll happen next year. So in my opinion, looking down the, you know, the schedule, which is not easy, especially the first, you know, three games are just kind of a gauntlet and not something you'd like to see to go into your season playing away games so early on. It's not really good for them. They're going to get started off on the wrong foot, and I don't think they're going to be able to recover. They're just not good enough. But I like this team next year, which is terrible to say before the season even kicks off. Well, we'll see. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. How the Broncos have improved, but I don't know that they can't win that game on the road. I think the Bills, obviously, is going to be a tough ask, although it's at least early in the season before it gets crazy in Buffalo. And, of course, then the Steelers come to Allegiant a Stadium for the first home game, which is going to be loud, proud, and I think they can beat the Steelers. You know, So who knows? They could easily go 2-1 and one in those first three, three games, I think, and that's not getting off to a terrible start. The last thing, Spencer, when you talk about the Raiders, we just talk, got done talking about the Miami Heat, And they rely on Jimmy B in Las Vegas. Can the Raiders rely on Jimmy G? Uh, He'll be a quarterback. I mean, it's kind of like flipping a coin. You know, it's Derek Carr and him, I think, are at the same level, QB 15 and QB 16. You know, they play a little bit different, but I think the results are generally the same. 
Jimmy G has a little bit more results. He's much more comfortable in the system, so I think that'll fare better. So maybe I'll throw in an extra one at eight wins. The roster's just not there. The defense isn't developed enough. The offense, I think, will be top 10, just like it was last year, and I think the defense will be bottom 10, just like it was last year. Uh, very understandable. We'll see. And, uh, of course, we'll, we'll be talking a lot more football as time goes on, and uh, we'll get into some my Detroit Lions talk as, uh, my God in heaven, so many Lions fans. I don't want to say in denial because this team is poised to make a run in a really bad NFC North division, but uh, hey, counting on the Lions, um, you know, that's like counting on it not raining in Washington. Good luck with that. Uh, I'll leave that alone, and uh, let's get into the finale right now, and I want to bring Magnum in for this one because he is the big soccer fan. As a matter of fact, we're watching soccer instead of the PGA Championship, and it's only because I love Chris, and I'm not asking him, begging him to change the channel, uh, but I'll see it when I get home, and then, uh, of course, the Vegas Golden Knights game. Chris, I learned something new all the time. I'd heard about the treble. Honestly, until I, d- I did a little tiny due diligence yesterday, I wasn't exactly sure what the treble meant. But Manchester City, um, yesterday, they, w- they become the Premier League champions by Nottingham Forest beating Arsenal's uh, 1-0. Now they're m- moving Manchester City one step closer to completing that treble. There are two flights away from being the first English side since Sir Alex Ferguson's Manchester United back in 1999 to complete the trouble. The next step is the FA Cup final versus Manchester United, ironically, on June 3rd at Wembley, and then followed by the Champions League versus Inter Milan in Istanbul on June 10th. 538 Soccer Power Index gives the citizens a 57% chance of winning both those finals and coming away with the trouble. Your thoughts? I know you don't like them, but your serious thoughts? Well, they, sh- they should do it. I mean, they're, they'll be favored in both matches. They're they're leaps and bounds ahead of Manchester United, and um, as far as the 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 game against Inter Milan, look, anything can happen there, the Champions League final. But Inter Milan struggling in their in their in their league, the Serie A Italian league, um, but they they have gone on a remarkable run. So I mean, I I think that if anything, they've got a better chance of losing the Champions League final than they do of losing the FA Cup. I think they'll they'll win the FA Cup rather easily, um, but. I mean, I. It, it's amazing, you know. The, the the sport is so unregulated when it comes to money. You know, there's no salary cap. There's no restrictions on how much money you can spend. I mean, Manchester City has more more money sitting on their bench than most clubs do in their starting lineup, which is saying something because this is, it's one of the most expensive sports in the world. Um, I mean, it's nothing compared to what you spend in F one, but. I mean, it, it, it's up there, and Man City has spent $2 billion on players the last decade or so. Um, I mean, think about that, $2 billion. That doesn't happen in, in American sports. I mean, the Yankees, you know, I, I don't know how much money the Yankees have spent, but I can't imagine it's been $2 billion um, even going back to, you know, when, when, when free agency became a thing. But, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a great sport. I love it. Um, it's it's one of those things that I get up early on on Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings, and I've got multiple packages where I I'll, I can watch Germany. I can go home today and watch Italy. Um, we've got the Premier League on in the in the television here in the studio. So, uh, you know, it's just one of those things, man. I mean, I'll be rooting against them, but I I think they're going to do it. They should do it. They're, they'll be better. They'll they'll be favored in both matches. So, um, if I was betting, I would bet them to do it. You just don't want him to. And also, no, Chris, I'm, I'm, you know what? It might give me a reason to actually enjoy the match. 
<laughs> you know, it's, we're talking about that. It's like winning the first two legs of the Triple Crown. They win the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness and lose the Belmont because you think they're going to lose the uh, the Champions League versus uh, Inter Milan. We'll see what happens. Chris, also, I mentioned yesterday, and we'll be brief on it, but uh, should definitely be known as tragedy at the soccer match. Yesterday's authorities in El Salvador say at least nine people were killed and dozens were injured after a stampede among fans at a league match. Play was suspended approximately 16 minutes into the match in a game between Alianza and FAS. Um, as the injured were carted down the tunnel and onto the pa- um, the you know like to the hospital, it appears that fans overran a gate to get into the stadium, causing the deadly incident. I love the passion of soccer fans. I just don't understand this. How? I mean, I just don't understand how you get trampled to death. I mean, people just running over top of you. How do you not feel someone underneath you and just stop everyone and pick them up? I don't get it. Well, it's got to be a panic, a moment yeah. of panic. Yeah, you know? I, I don't see how this keeps happening, Chris. And uh, I mean, know, well, it happened at a concert in Houston, no, right? No, it did. But, but, but this is this is something that's happened throughout history. Yeah, at soccer, soccer, soccer. Well, I think part of the problem is they sell too many tickets. The stadiums, especially in a place like El Salvador, I mean... They need to be reinforced, well, well, obviously. Here, 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 this will tell you, you know, VAR, Video Assistant Referee, is a thing all over the world. CONCACAF, which is the region the United States doesn't, or the United States plays in, they don't have VAR for their World Cup qualifying games because the, the stadiums in some of these places, like Honduras, El Salvador, all through the Caribbean, are so old that they cannot put the technology into the stadium to do it. So, you know, I mean, unfortunately, money, you know, money is a thing. An and, 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 you know, some of these countries are, are unbelievably poor. Um, El Salvador and, and, and Nicaragua certainly jump out when it comes to countries in this region that that are dealing with yeah your little feet your little leagues your when you go to see your kid at little league the stands there are probably more oh, yeah, safe like, than like, some like of these bishop, stadiums. Oh yeah, like Bishop Gorman's football field is probably better than the national stadium for a lot of teams in Concacaf. Yeah, so time. you know, money money is certainly an, an aspect, and you know, it's it's a shame and it's a tragedy, and unfortunately. I, I think things like this will continue to happen. Yeah, it's a bummer. It's it's like I said, it's great to see the passion. It's a bummer. Well, one other thing is we run a little bit low on time. Devin Haney uh, successfully defended his undisputed lightweight championship Saturday against former un- unified lightweight champion of Vasily uh, Lamachenko. And in the main event, it was at MGM Garden, uh, Grand Garden Arena yesterday in Las Vegas. All three judges scored the fight for Haney, 116-112, 115-113, 115-113, although Lamachenko did really start landing a ton of punches in the latter rounds of the fight. It was just too little too late. I heard controversial finish. I I, I heard a lot of people saying Lomachenko won. Only because Lomachenko in the last three rounds landed like three times more punches, but they say Haney did all of his damage in the earlier rounds, and it was enough to get him by. But I agree, Chris. If you see the end, and I saw the highlights of the end of this fight, uh, it looked like, wait a minute here, uh, Lomachenko was beating the hell out of him at the end of the fight. My thing with boxing is, I want to see the scores. Like, like... Yeah, each round. We, we, like, we have far too many controversial finishes in this sport. You know, it's like figure skating, except these guys are, are life and death. You know, so so I want to see, and I want judges held accountable. I want them to have to... Listen, if you give a, a, a score that's that's terrible, and everyone knows it's terrible, you should have to explain it. You should, you should, if, if, if to be a judge... Adelaide Bird! I'm, I'm no comment, <laughs> but... 
Hey, yeah. we like your husband. We see him at all the UNLV yeah. games. Yeah, good hey, dude. we got to fly, yeah. Chris. But I just wanted to say also, yesterday, the Las Vegas Aces won their season open versus Seattle. They blew them out 105 to 64. Yeah, not, not the same Seattle team from, from a few no, years ago. And a better Aces team than won the championship last year. Game, uh, they, they've got a game Thursday in LA against the Sparks in their home openers next Saturday night versus LA again. And the Aviators out of town until May the 30th. Uh, that's all for today. Don't forget, uh, PGA Championship is on. Vegas Golden Knights noon at T Mobile Arena. Check it out. I want to thank Ashley Weiss, the ringside reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights, for joining the show. Spencer the Wiz Ostrowski, our social media director, and of course, Chris Magnum Chapman for producing. I'm Brian Feldman. We're back next week. Same time, same place. This is out of line. Bye bye.